0: hi and welcome to the glenn podcast with your host jj a voice known as jj and in this series we take a look at a lost inverness distillery and put i guess some meat on the bones although i think we've gone beyond that now we're adding the skin the clothing and everything else beyond so it's been great so this is episode f- six season five i'm <laughs> just trying to think there and finally after chasing the tail of the website for, it seems like an eternity, but it's probably just about three years we've reached. We're now pretty much up to date with the website. So it's fantastic. So I expect after this double bill episode, we are moving into single bill, unless there's um, unforeseen events where I can't record a podcast one week and we might have to double up again, but I'm committed to doing this weekly and the updates weekly. And I think probably with the document collection which we're going to talk about today we've got a probably about give or take six months work and i've got a, a couple of uh glenvore reviews and um, a couple of other sort of oddities which aren't document related um which we will be doing speaking of documents managed to add uh, a further document um, thanks to everybody that pointed out its existence on just whiskey um, it's more uh, mckinley's um, blending invoice uh, for a customer but it does have Glenvor on the letterhead so it's it's a nice piece and certainly would be more at home in the collection that we have than probably any other so it was good to add that got it for fairly reasonable price, I think, knock down, give or take, £15, which is very cheap for documentation. And I think that's probably because when people looked at it, they did see the Glenvore name, but it really wasn't related to Glenvore. It was uh, McKinley's from Leaf selling um, one of their whiskies, which might have been a blend of Glenborough, you never know, uh, to somebody in England off the top of my head. So we will do that. Um, certainly uh, that will be of use when I, I do start to dig more into the McKinley side of things. Um, I didn't want to spread myself too thinly by doing the Burnies and the McKinleys all at once, but I think the way we've staggered it and we're methodically, I suppose is a good word, progressing through everything bit by bit, um, it will make sense. So, In this episode, we are going to talk about the first two documents from the document collection we purchased towards the end of last year. I think probably the end of October, I think it was. Um, I had an offer um, from the seller who who contacted me directly just to give you some background. Uh, And he had a a cache of documents and uh, he wanted to sell them directly to myself because he knew that they would add to the research. Uh, he appreciated uh, what we are doing here and uh, you know the emphasis on learning from history but also bringing history to the masses so he was someone like myself obviously had a real uh, liking of history in fact and what we could do um, you know to elevate things again and he was very fortunate to have these documents and 600 pounds which was the the price we agreed upon Um, I think was very fair and credit to him because um, if you do follow these documents online uh, certainly there's been some picked up at ebay there's definitely as I mentioned some appearing on whiskey sites more you know if you've got um, a particularly captivating invoice and some of these um, which you will see in the coming weeks and months are very ornate very beautiful to look at never mind actually the information they contain and I love the the sort of handcrafted nature of them you know that somebody's been there behind one of those typewriters you know, slamming every key and letter uh and then stamps and postage stamps as well and signatures and amendments so they are living breathing things almost you know they, they can tell us so much but they also give us a sense of a bygone age so we will be doing those one by one the plan is that i will um do them on a weekly basis so you're going to get two the first two here sometimes the documents don't tell as much i'm a bit ahead of you obviously i think i've probably got the first couple months done i did a blitz over the festive period and did a load of stuff i still got the train invoices to do although they're photographed uh, i've had them. Um, some family matters to take care of recently so uh, i haven't had as much time to focus on Glenvor as i have but then that's great while we've got this buffer and um you know if there's a as most things in life if you're busy one week then hopefully you're not so busy the next week and things balance out and i'm sure that would be the case with the research however the two that we're going to go to um in terms of the documents themselves i thought it was very straightforward decision to do these in chronological order so uh they will drop in on the website pretty much uh in order of when they were created the only one that might be a little bit iffy is i think one of the insurance documents from 1895 just because of the condition it's in and also it's pretty sizable um but funnily enough um to give you a little insight of how far we take these things or i'm doing it um the insurers on that document are now part of the aviva sort of company collection and they have their own archivists and uh, i have contacted one and they've acknowledged receipt they're going to look and see if they have anything else related to Glenvor uh, of that time so these things just you know, slow burn you know and that i made that contact probably a couple months ago and they are just responding now but you know that perhaps fingers crossed later this year we might have some more information around uh insurances glenvohr um i certainly not expecting any claims but um it will be good to see just uh, where that pathway takes us so yes they're going to be done in date order and i will try and put things into perspective in terms of the distillery perhaps uh in terms of distilling or the whiskey wider industry at the time and um, alan winchester will be chipping in as well uh he uh, is a big fan of the johnny walker invoice which is further down the, the line um on the website but that's a beautiful ornate uh, invoice and certainly i think my favorite the johnny walker one is lovely i have to say it shows the status of the company back then walker and sons but i have to say i think the brickwork one and the brickwork one took me on a journey looking at this massive place in the uh, central belt in scotland that created these bricks and there's websites across the world where these bricks have been found across the world because of the um powered i guess the industrial revolution and they had you very very unique um fire proof qualities so it's been an eye-opener just a simple invoice, what it can do, and each one will hopefully take us on a similar journey. So we'll start first, if we may, um, and the first one out of the hat is a very simple one. Actually, it's just uh looks like a straightforward, almost workman's receipt to for John Burney um, for receipt of cash. It's dated the sixteenth of May, eighteen ninety-four. So this is the time where uh, Glenvor is the project as it would have been is really coming to fruition you know not too far before they do the first runs uh, everything is coming in on site and um this one gives us uh, john's address at uh, bound um which is the farm area which still exists as private property to this day Uh, and there is a link in the article to, I think it was up for sale in 2017, and that's still online, so you can actually have a look at the house and the layout of it, which is just an added touch, but I thought it was really interesting to see. Um, And it's a lovely handwritten receipt, very simple, uh, but elegant in a way. And we think, and I had to involve the internet for help. Normally I'm good with bad handwriting, but there was just one word. That was escaping me, and we think it's um slating, or slates. So not an everyday word, but certainly in distillery terms. And if you look at some of the photographs of Glenvor, you can see, you know, there obviously would have been a requirement for a slater and a team of workers there. So it makes sense that they're, you know, they're putting the roof on, as it were, during the summer months, and you know that must be pretty much uh, one of the the final steps uh, towards um, the buildings, as we know. And it was for £100 sterling, um, and it doesn't even refer to the distillery by name, it just says new distillery, which is, it fits in with what we've seen of Glenvore. We don't know when they decided upon the name Glenvore, um, but certainly from uh, the Charles Doig documents we have, you know, it was still being referred to as a, a new Inverness distillery quite far on. Uh, into its build and uh, the newspaper articles back that up you know which are promoting the building of this you know wonderful new distillery but not giving us the name Um, so uh, certainly from a historical emphasis where it's situated you can see why Glenvor was chosen but at the time um, the decision and the name weren't made public um, perhaps to the wider audience until the last moment. So I thought that was a nice opener. Um, And in the article as well, I I talk about um, thanking everybody that contributed or promoted the GoFundMe drive. We, who knows, I'd love to be able to count on your support further down the line if a similar collection becomes available. What I would say is the seller told me when they bought these from someone else, they said there was lots more documents. So we know these documents exist somewhere could be in somebody's shed garage attic a descendant of the distillery or an employee but we think the doc i still you know hope and pray and i'm reasonably optimistic that the documents are out there we just need to find them and um, that's what the website will do for us one day Um, i look forward to getting that email and uh, striking a similar deal but we'll move on to the other one um, which has got a little bit more going for it. Uh, this is from October 1894, the 26th. So this is really is when Glenvor is pretty much good to go. And the official production date, which is noted, is, I think off the top of my head, the 8th of December. Um, but we do know, obviously, they were practicing with their new toys several weeks prior to that. Certainly, perhaps even um, maybe... Four, six weeks beforehand. And what this is, this is a lovely invoice um, because it's from Donald McDonald Carter. Now, unfortunately, given the name, if you type that into search engine, um if you put Donald McDonald in Vanessa, you're going to get McDonald's uh, restaurant in Vanessa and a lot of things about burgers. So it's a tough one to filter out, but really this company, uh, which was based on Telford Street, just a few doors down from Glenvore, so that was really handy. But I think it shows as well just what a bustling area Glenvore was because you had the port Uh, The Muirtown Basin, you had the canal, so uh, there was a real need for a carter. Also on the other side of, I guess, the peninsula, you had um, much more of an established sea dock. uh, And you also had the railway into the city as well, so carters would have been very in high demand to move the goods. uh, What would have been a really thriving and busy town city uh, You're back in the 1890s. So, again, it's a very simple invoice, and we know that uh, the association between uh, McKinley and Burnley and this firm lasted for several decades. We have a much later uh, invoice in the collection, I think from 1917. I want to say round about then, which confirms you know they used this carting firm pretty much you know for um, twenty. 30 years. I did reach out to the, the local Inverness History Forum, who are always great to bounce ideas off or requests, uh, and we came up blank on this company. Absolutely nothing. Um, so for a company that was there, and obviously a bygone, uh, I guess they are forerunners of the, the removals, uh, the removal firms that we see today helping people move or uh, transmit large goods, you know, they very much a precursor to all of that, but more of a, a horse and cart, I would have said. Um, yeah, so this invoice documents from September to October, um, various things that they were carrying into Glenvor. What's really interesting, and um, I got um, the chat of um, Mike, Michael Billet, sorry, um, who's written Pete and Whiskey the Unbreakable Bond, uh, which I have read, and there are some mentions of Glenn Vore and William Burney Burnley, quite candidly, um, and Mike came along to our March tasting last year in Edinburgh and uh, had asked me some questions about Pete. Um, his book came out october time i think it was um 2023 i uh, pretty much devoured the book and i left my copy uh, in california for rose to enjoy as well so uh, it's, i think it's one of those books you can dip into now and again and take from there but uh, he said you know 1894 was around the heyday of Day peat production and we know glenn definitely used that peat uh, but he also notes that the document doesn't seem to state that it was Day peat The timing September and October of all the documents is also consistent. Autumn was the time to secure your annual peat supply and fill that peat shed. So, makes sense. You know, that is what they're doing. They're filling up, getting ready for the new season and the first season at Glenvor. Um, We don't think, well, I think it's, we don't have it in black and white, but we do think it probably is E.D. Peat. It was regarded as the best. It was widely used at the time. What I would like to do when I get round to the Glenelban research is correlate if they were using E.D. Peat, particularly when John Burney was at the distillery, because I think, you know, if he was relying upon that and he'd used it successfully, he would be using it again in his own distillery. I, I think there's not much doubt about that whatsoever. And we know further down the line, Glenvor used used other different types of peat. But certainly E.D. peat was being used right through to the the Second World War until they stopped harvesting uh, those sort of um, peatlands. We've also got one load of sea sand. I think it says sea stand. We've got a further um, wagon, four wagons of peat. We've got carting sleepers for the distillery, which we would think probably for maybe the warehousing, maybe the floors there and further peats as well. So they're bringing in, in total there, 10 wagons of peat, you know, which is a sizable amount, you know, it's a good few tons there. So that would set them up for the year and perhaps on paper, and I think it's very likely, the first ever peat um, when they fired up Glenvor probably is on that invoice, you know, which is great um, to tie it all together. The sea, the sea land or sea sand, I think it's sea sand looking at the writing. It's an interesting one and that's, put me on a journey trying to figure out what on earth are you doing with this you know a very uh, probably a very ungainly product to transport very heavy very dense with its own properties Um, and and all I could sort of speculate on was um, I I got into reading about building and and, and certainly of that period what on earth would you have you know made that request for and we think or i think it it was used in concrete floors um, because it had beneficial properties as being part of a concrete mix Um, but that would make sense why they're still doing that and maybe doing some work at the distillery and they need sea sand to do it i think Um, from memory and I didn't note this in the article but I certainly read about it if you putting sort of sea sand into um, your concrete mix it's making it stronger but it's also giving it some sort of fireproof not totally but qualities of you know some sort of residual improvement in that respect so um, I think that's probably more than likely what we have so a wonderful invoice, and also it should be noted, um, October on this invoice, they're referring to it to as Glenvore, all oh, one word. So between May and um, October, the distillery name became more widely used and public. Um, so there we go. So thank you for listening. Those are two of the invoices. Uh, I should, perhaps I should just log in and just give you what the next one is going to be, um, because I can't remember off the top of my head we we have some great historical things to bring you and yes um we'll be stepping into 1895 so i mean to give you a taster pretty much oh actually there's one more from 1894 and it is the glen Boyg, uh bricks that i mentioned so that is a great read i think i hope you enjoy that and um, we talk a little bit about the history of those the brickworks manufacturer and it's beautifully i think it's stunning um the invoice itself um, so you'll enjoy the photographs of it uh, and then we're going to jump into 1895 we've got a sort of a straightforward invoice but then we'll have um fountain brewery um from august 1895 giving us pretty much a very simple uh invoice double-sided but it actually gives us a year's worth of yeast going to Glenvore right back to 1894. Um, so we've got on these two bits of paper, we've got the first peat going into the distillery, and we also have the first yeast going into the distillery. And we know where the yeast is from, and you'd be pretty confident where the um, Pete is from um, and perhaps um, and Mike um, graciously um, offered to help me out if I ever find myself on Orkney and I do need to go back um, to get access to the sort of EDP documents because I would certainly be looking back at August 1894 slightly before slightly after and seeing if there is an order for a new distillery in Inverness in those logs and I would think there probably is so that is us Thanks for listening. Uh, I hope you're enjoying the journey as much as I am and a lot more to come. Um, thanks to the support of so many people that contributed to this collection uh, acquisition. Many names I recognize, industry and non-industry. Many names I don't recognize, but everybody, thank you very much. Um, you're making this happen. And let's see what it takes us. You know, I, I think what we've managed to bring together for Glenvor has been remarkable. I think glenn Oban will give us a lot more tougher nut to crack i think i've seen less glenn Alban documents than any other um, apart from milburn which is uh, milburn's the heart even though it was in the diageo wing for 80 90 years give or take very little information about milburn whatsoever but um that's going to be further down the, the line and um, we'll make it happen uh bit by bit so thank you and i'll see you on the next episode